sound of the hammering of the Holy Starter. It marks the beginning of the podcast where I, your host Gary, talks about my world of G.I. Joe, whether that's new things for my collection, reading comics, or just experiencing G.I. Joe in general, celebrating my fandom, and also where every missile we take a look at a vehicle or playset from the G.I. Joe line. This is the Chaplain's Assistance Motor Pod. And since the last episode, it's been kind of quiet, uh, doing a lot of projects, but not really getting too far in my world of G.I. Joe. Took out my whales for the first time in a few years. I want to say it's been two or three years since I last had my whales out of boxes. And I did say whales as in plural. I have three of them. I used to have four. I put one together-ish and uh, rehomed that. And uh, But I still had three left to go through and pick out the best bits and bobs to put two of them together to 100% completion. So that took some doing. And for mail, I did get the new O-ring cobra commander and duke from hasbro pulse and it's still sitting sealed it's been i've had it for the better part of a week if not a week and a half at this point and just the seeing what duke looked like out of the package from a lot of other people makes me hesitant to open it up gotta admit a little apprehension goes a long way in me not wanting to see the new gi joe toys although everybody says the new cobra commander is pretty dope so We'll probably get on that sometime in between now and end of September, (laughs) as I'm recording this. It's pretty close to the end of August. And then not really too much else uh, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. I did uh, take a look at the Valor vs. Venom Ninja Battle set. I think that deserves a closer dive. I want to go further into that. It was something that was left over. Nobody looked at it at my tag sale. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't look half bad. It came with a DVD. I found the I found the video on YouTube. And uh, it's definitely from the early 2000s. It's definitely an experience. And I got the comic back because I sold one copy of the comic at the tag sale. But So I had to buy another copy. And... Somebody had bookmarked one of the pages with a paperclip ruining a page of the comic. And I mean that as in it tore the top. It left just not happy. And I didn't catch it till after I left positive feedback for it. So eh, there's that. And then $7 down the drain. That wasn't that much, but still annoying. But we're going to do something a little bit different. The title of this missile for the masses is the top 10 Joes I want to send to the Cobra rifle range unit. And to start off this list is a review of the Cobra rifle range from 1985. It might benefit all you listeners is what these 10 Joes are going to face as I put them out of their misery. And yes, all these Joes are going to be from the vintage 82 to 94 line. I do like to mix things up and go later O-rings. But to begin with, the Cobra Rifle Range unit was a playset 
offered in 1985. And it's a simple value-oriented playset. Probably the best value anybody got from it were the two dark blue figure stands, which are not on the blueprints. Go figure. But they're there, and you can probably find them in collections everywhere. Now, take a look at this. Uh, we'll start with the biggest piece first. It's number five on the blueprint. It is the Protective Firing Embankment. And it's three pieces of wood mounted in dirt or gravel. It's all molded in brown. It is Each piece has a 45-degree angle to the other. And you got some molded in sandbags. It is a very nice embankment. It plays the part of protective cover for the cobras who are practicing firing. And if you were to take it out of this playset and use it as, say, a jungle cover or maybe even an urban cover for the cobra in a larger dio, it works. It's it's actually a very useful piece. The brown is very, you know, it's kind of a rich, nice, rich brown. It's medium. It is a very well thought out piece. It lends itself well to more detail if you are a customizer or painter. Absolutely. It's actually what I think is the standout piece of the Cobra Rifle Range unit. Now, uh, another littler piece of the Cobra Rifle Range is the Firing Range Sign. It's a caution sign. Also, as a secondary target on the blueprint, it's basically a wedge-shaped piece of blue plastic with a sticker that says Firing Range. It serves the purpose of labeling what your playset is. So that's good. When the Cobras are walking up, they know to be careful. You could even put it behind the or to the side of the rifle range. So this way, again, safety is paramount in the Cobra organization. That's why you are issued parachutes as you exit your Fang helicopter. It's there. It's not really, um, it adds to it. But, you know, if you're missing it from your set, I wouldn't say you're missing out. And then next up, it's, it has two numbers on the blueprint. It is number eight, the rifle rack. Number nine, the ammunition storage locker. It is a piece of blue plastic. It's molded together. And from my perspective, you know, it has some wood, like grain, molded into it. It looks like a rifle rack. I'll give it that for the three rifles that would come with the set. And the ammunition storage locker, there's like three cavities on the bottom. It'd be nice if there were like three little bricks that your Cobras can pull out as, let's say, uh, ammunition boxes. But they're not there. Maybe it was planned. Again, it's a solid piece. Do you need it for the set? I think you do. I think it's pretty good if you're setting up this training this training diorama that that it lends itself to. It's it's part of it for the training side. But other than that, it's, you know, it can be seen as extraneous. The real reason for that is it holds the three rifles that come with the set. Now, the rifles that come with the set are best known for coming with the early 1982 and 1983 G.I. Joe figures. For years, I've read and even felt 
myself some of the lament of when Cobra gets some G.I. Joe equipment used as a repaint or vice versa, you know, like the Tiger Paw coming from the Cobra Ferret or the Python Conquest coming from the G.I. Joe Conquest, there's always that, man, it just doesn't seem to fit, you know, maybe a preconceived notion. And that's kind of what you got going on here. It's hard to go wrong with a traditional AK-47 for a terrorist organization that originally came with the Cobra Officer. But we got three rifles with this rifle range because what would a rifle range be without weapons for the Cobra to train on? And we'll start off with what they call on the blueprint the high-rate M16 C5 5.56 millimeter rifle with bayonet attachment. You may have seen this before in 1983's G.I. Joe Airborne. And on that package, it was labeled the XM-16 attack rifle. So X means experimental. It's a modification of the M-16 rifle that has seen lots of use in the United States and other NATO military and it has the bayonet, it has a magazine sticking out the back, and it has the collapsible stock. It's a solid piece of weaponry for the Cobra to train on. The next gun they're calling the M16A1 5.56mm rifle with cartridge clip. Essentially, it is a standard M16 that came with the original 1982 to 1983 Grunt. It is. It's a great representation for the G.I. Joe line of the M16, much like Airborne's. The final gun is the L88 7.65mm general purpose machine gun. Now, 7.65 is a common NATO caliber. It'd be like equivalent to roughly a 32 cal. And this rifle was originally released in 1983 with Snowjob as the XMLR 3A laser rifle. This laser rifle, you know, if you look at the molding, has iron sights, which would be odd, I would think, for a laser. But it doesn't really have a bolt action or a place to put a magazine or clip for the ammunition. So kind of odd they switched it from there. And, of course, this gun is the gun of choice for Sunbow characters in the line. They're kind of odd choices, but it's cool that, you know, you're getting them. There's not too many rifles in the G.I. Joe line on the Cobra side that could have been remolded so quickly. You have the Dragonov from the Cobra Trooper. You have the AK-47 from the Officer. Maybe... The other gun would be, let's say, Fireflies from, you know, 1984. So they had, the molds were still being used in 1985 to make Fireflies. So maybe that could have been a machine gun for the Cobras to train on. Either way, you could use any gun with these to shoot at the targets. And the targets are known as the primary, in quotes, flip down, end quote, target. Now, this was a feature... I was unaware of until I finally got my hands on a set of this about three months ago. I like the flip down feature. It makes it so much more fun. And there's a little piece of brown sandbags that 
attached to the blue target, the blue plastic target, and the target is denoted with a sticker on the side that uh, you'd be shooting at. And then on the back side, the side that you could flip down onto the ground has a little Cobra emblem and a caution sticker. So again, walking up behind the rifle range, yeah, you might not want to be behind it. And it's cool because if you flip these with your finger, they fall down. I like that. The great thing is, let's say you had a spring-loaded weapon like 1993 Mindbender. You could fire it and knock it over, and it would play well then. If you have an early 90s figure, you have the finger flick technology, so you could even knock it over with that as well. It might need a little more skill on your part. I like that playable feature. As a whole, what would I rate this great little value set? I think it's great. I think it adds to the G.I. Joe toy line, but I can see it as not a must-own to the G.I. Joe toy line. And the rating system today will be on 0 to 5 rifles. 0 being don't get this and 5 being fire at will. This gets a 3 rifle. It's a solid 3. It's average you're not missing anything if you don't have it, but it definitely does add something if you do have it. You set it up behind the terror drone. You set it up behind the surveillance post. It's not going to be a focal point of a diorama, but it's definitely something that can add to a diorama. Again, three, so three out of five, it's solid. If you're so inclined, you can use it. For ideas on how to use the Cobra Rifle Range, if you so happen to have 10 G.I. Joes captured prisoner by the evil and ruthless Cobra Commander and Serpentor and Major Blood and the duplicitous Destro, who are you going to fire at it? Well, I don't know who you're going to use as target practice on the Cobra Rifle Range, but I know the 10 Joes that I'm going to use, and I'll even make it 11 with an honorable mention. And the honorable mentions Clean Sweep from Eco Warriors. He just looks average. He looks like an average guy that, you know, just strolled on to the G.I. Joe team like, hey, dudes, can I can I join? And they're like, sure. And, you know, he doesn't look anything special. His head mold just makes him look average. He's in a yellow suit. He's Eco Warriors. So he's just there. And, you know, he's clean sweep. So he's just basically running a vacuum. So he's like the janitor of the G.I. Joe crew. Even worse than Airtight, and Airtight's one of my favorites. In the number 10 position, it doesn't get much higher than this in the Cobra Echelon. So you want to talk about demoralizing the G.I. Joe troops. And if you're a Cobra, you're going to start off with 1993's Star Brigade Armor General Hawk. And I am not a fan of the armor tech figures of the Star Brigade line. There's only two that I like. And other than that, I have no desire to collect any of these. But if two of, if the Bat, the Battle Armored Android Trooper, or Robo Joe came in, I would accept those. Only because this proportions for the armor tech is so out of whack from the rest of the toy line. I don't like it. And General Hawk has the gold plastic, which we know could suffer from gold plastic syndrome. 
Yeah, he's number 10. He's the first one going up to the Cobra Rifle Range. And after him, in the number nine spot, would be Eco Warriors Barbecue. And only because the Eco Warriors Barbecue, to me, is a lazy figure. It's a reuse of mold. It's bright red. He doesn't feel like a firefighter anymore. And I'm sorry, just he's not doing it for me. In the number eight position is the pudgy little fellow from 1987 with the baby face. It is sneak peek. He comes across with that armored body as more of an EOD, explosive ordnance disposal guy. And that's not what he does. And he's got that baby face because he was molded after Stephen King's kid. Not great. He's dead twice in the comic book for a reason. So sneak peek, you're up on the Cobra firing line. After him is 1994 Star Brigade Effects. This is a figure I don't have. I got more aware of him when I got a trade with uh, Joe from Joe Mahler Works YouTube channel. Um, I got some accessories for him. And I was just like, who is this guy? And then I looked at his mold. He's a spaceman. He's got a space helmet that doesn't look right. His outfit actually on the card art looks really good, but in the figure, it just looks like he's just wearing a normal uniform. I can't buy it off as a spacesuit, like the core who had the space guys. And I don't even like the look of his face. So, yep. Effects, you're number seven on the list. So you're fourth in line for the Cobra rifle range. And in number six is 1989's Downtown. Uh, the main reason why he got on is because he has a dumb red helmet. I don't like it. It looks like a boxer's training helmet. So it looks like something that Big Boa is going to want to take him 14 rounds and just keep pummeling and pummeling and pummeling him. Yeah, that's not doing his figure any favors. And neither is the blue, the bright blue shirt. The final nail in the coffin is he's supposed to basically replace short fuse and... He's no short fuse. Maybe if he was short fuse, he'd be a little higher up on the list, but I just, you know, I just couldn't see myself saving this guy from the firing line. So downtown's the fifth guy on this list. But next up from 1991 is an original character from 1982, but it's his 1991 version three grunt. It's a lazy figure for me. It's just that head mold, that yelling face could have been saved with a different head mold. The rest of the figure, he's got a goofy, goofy spring-loaded weapon. And just on that, he's out. He is sixth in line for the firing range. He's in the number five position. Sorry, Grunt. Should have stayed retired with Lola. Speaking of an original character, we have 1982 and 1983's Red Pads Grand Slam. Biggest thing is he looks like he's holding in his breath with that red padded uniform. 
Now, we know the padding was a complaint of mine with Sneak Peek, but at least he looked adequately bulky. Now, this was the OG 13. He looks like he's holding in his breath. And I got to admit, I'm not a huge fan of the Michael Ironside head mold that got reused for those years. I understand why it did it. I understand why it's important to the line as a whole. But he's my number four figure on the firing line. Number three is going to be the first guy from Battle Force 2000. And it's going to be the only guy from Battle Force 2000 because I'm not trying to really target, pun intended, uh, any specific group, but Maverick. Um, not a fan of, again, not a fan of the head mold. It's amazing what a proper face or head mold can do. You know, version one barbecue, even his helmet doesn't come off. So it looks good. Airtight, he's got a helmet that molded on. It looks good. And then you could talk about guys who have helmets that do come off that look good, like like Blowtorch and Ripcord. You know, 1984, they did better jobs then than they did in 1987. And what doesn't help Maverick is his head mold, his head mold got reused for Charbroil. It's just like, no. And his body mold it doesn't work for me either. You know, the oversized shoulder pads, he just looks goofy. He also has a really goofy helmet. It's just everything's out of proportion on this guy. And unfortunately, he is my number three. But number two is probably the biggest caricature on the G.I. Joe line. And if the G.I. Joe toy line had a Superman, not the comic book. So I'm not talking about Snake Eyes. And I'm not saying Snake Eyes isn't without sin. But this guy was pretty bad if you read his file card. He was the best of the best of the best. And basically there were no flaws with him. And he was covered in chrome of course, I'm talking about 1988's Mailaway Super Trooper. He has a reused head. Again, I'm not a huge fan of that head sculpt. It's similar to Maverick's, but it's not the same. You know, his characterization, he's in chrome. And what really hurts him for me is that characterization. And honestly, I would rather have him as rapid fire in all those neon colors. For that reason... Super Trooper is at a super number two on my least favorite Joes that should be facing the Cobra rifle range. Number one, my least favorite G.I. Joe. And I'm working on some eBay listings now. And I took a nice one that I thought was nice to put on eBay. And I broke his arm, just moving his arm. And he's not from the original 13. He came out in 1984. He has a whole whopping two points of articulation. It is 1984's Deep Six. This is the action figure I'm most likely to take to a rifle range myself. And I'm sorry, he barely fits into the shark, which he came with. He has does have that action feature of bubbling up and down from the surface with his off-lost hand pump. I'm sorry, he just doesn't do it for me. He's boring. I know why they went with what they did, and it doesn't really stretch my imagination to be like, yeah, I understand why they did what they did, but they could have done a little bit more. 
1989, his version two figure, even with the orange helmet, but it's a, an articulated diver, you know, traditional uh, G.I. Joe articulation is just so much heads and tails above of what we got in 1984 that I'm sorry, but Deep Six, you are the top of the list to face the Cobra rifle range. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I shook things up a little bit. Never done a list show. It was kind of fun. If you want, contact me on social media and let me know your least favorite Joes who should be facing the Cobra firing squad at the rifle range. You can find me on social media at Chaplain Joe Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can even send an email to chaplainjoepod at gmail.com. And for more of this podcast, you can find me on just about every podcasting platform. And while you're there, leave a review, like it, subscribe. It all helps to grow and make this podcast better. Chaplain's This Is Motorpod is this strange, but not as strange, nerdy little brother of The Pint, a pop culture podcast. Saying that keeps me from going on their firing line. And with all of that out of the way, one more final missile for the masses. Be decent to each other. See ya.